Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to Money for the Rest of the Personal Finance Show on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein, and today is episode 130. It's titled, Should You Own a Vacation Home? In the early 1990s, LaPrille and I took a trip to Idaho from our home in Ohio to visit her family. While there, we took a long drive up US-20 to Ashton, Idaho, then down Idaho State Highway 32 to Teton Valley, over the mountain pass to Swan Valley, and then back to their place near Blackfoot, Idaho. This was my first trip along this route. I was completely smitten with the rolling green hills of seed potatoes and barley, with pine forest and aspen forest and the Teton mountain range in the background. Just east of Lamont, Idaho, we reached a precipice that overlooks the entire valley and the Teton range. There we found a for sale sign on an empty 10-acre lot filled with aspens and the most incredible view I have ever seen. The cost of the acreage was only $80,000. Unfortunately, I was just a couple years out of graduate school and we had recently bought our first home. We didn't have the money to buy vacation property, but the seed was planted. Someday we would have a vacation home in Idaho overlooking the Tetons. Life happened, a new job, two more kids, education expenses, a move to Idaho in 2001 into a subdivision without mountain views. Then a national housing and property bubble came that sent Teton Valley land prices out of reach. It seemed like we would never be able to get our dream vacation place. But in 2011, the timing finally seemed right. Land prices had fallen back to reasonable levels. This is after there was an 80-year supply of building lots platted throughout Teton Valley. So land prices came back. And we actually had funds to purchase some property. We looked at only one piece of ground. It was an 80-acre farm with a sprawling ranch home, a barn, shop, pastures, grain silos, and other outbuildings on a quiet dirt road with a four-peak view of the Tetons. We couldn't believe it was so cheap. I remember LaPrell and I just walking along the ground. A realtor wasn't even with us. I remember calling up a realtor as, how much is it? And to realize that's how much it was. And so we, we bought it. Now, granted, the house was outdated and it was infested with mice after sitting empty for four years, but that could be torn down or remodeled. So we bought the place and began remodeling the home the next spring. It's now been five years since we purchased this dream farm. And this week we are moving everything out of the house. And next week, we close on the sale of the house, barn, and 40 acres. We split the 80-acre farm into two parcels, and we'll keep, at least for now, the remaining 40 acres. It's just bare farm ground planted in hay. 
In today's episode, I want to share with you what we learned owning a vacation home and what you should consider before you buy your dream property. The first thing, and this is probably the most important, financial circumstances changed. Had I known I would quit my job and, quote, retire a year after buying our farm, I never would have bought it. Houses and property can be incredibly illiquid depending on the market. So once you make a decision to buy a vacation place, it's not always easy to switch course. So after retiring and quitting, our primary residence and the second home and farm were illiquid assets that comprise a large percentage of our net worth, but they weren't generating any income. I Granted, I did rent out the, the farm a couple times on Airbnb, but just found I found the process a little tedious. I just didn't want to do that. Meanwhile, interest rates declined, reducing the amount of money that could be earned from our investment portfolio unless we increased risk. So we had a huge segment of portfolio that just wasn't earning any money. And then, despite the drop in investment income, the cost of owning so much property was increasing. Property taxes and insurance costs rose, and utilities needed to be paid all year, even though we were only at our property a few weeks each summer. This asset that we thought we were buying essentially also became a liability. We, we, just, we were writing a check every month, and, now, and we knew that, but it's different when you're receiving income from employment versus when your primary source of income is your investment portfolio. Plus, you have maintenance and repairs. So in order to sort of reduce the drain, last April, with our kids off to college and other activities, LaPrell and I sold our primary residence and we moved to the farm full-time. This would allow us to reduce our costs and Live the dream. Try out what's it like living full-time in the country overlooking the mountains. Now, the second thing we learned owning this vacation property is a recognition that properties and markets changed. In our excitement over the farm purchase, we didn't pay much attention to an abandoned gravel pit across the road and down a bit from our farm. I've mentioned this in earlier episodes. In fact, I, I recorded one episode the day I discovered all of these, these dump trucks moving out of this abandoned pit carrying rock. This pit, it looked like it hadn't been used in years, and it hadn't. But in 2014, three years into our ownership, it sprang to life. Heavy equipment was moved in to dig up gravel. They worked 14 hours a day generating gravel. And then all these, as I mentioned, these dump trucks going past our house every few minutes during the work week carrying rock to build a road in the hills behind our house. I I hired an attorney. I looked into it. And it turns out the county owned and started this pit in 1995 with the expectation it would be used just for 10 years to access gravel on occasion for county road projects. But in 2008, the county auctioned the pit and the surrounding land to a private developer that was building a huge golf course facility outside Driggs, Idaho. And as part of the agreement with the county, the developer agreed to build the county a new courthouse. 
but the county had to raise some funds. And so they auctioned off this gravel pit and land, and there was one bidder. It was the private developer. Six years after that auction, that was in 2008, the developer leased out the pit to a local nursery and, and using the same original conditional use permit that the county had issued 15 years earlier. And so they, they built this road and it was a lot of, essentially we had, we were so used to the quiet and the peace and suddenly kind of had this industrial zone just across the way. Now, fortunately, this summer and last summer, things settled down. The road up on the hill got built and there, there's been, you know, there's some traffic, there's still some activity, but it's not, I don't really notice it anymore because it, it's much more laid back than it was. But Property and the rules change. Think about, we were recently, LaPro and I were in New York City, and there are many individuals that had a dream to own, you know, their vacation dream is to own an apartment in New York City where they go on occasion. And many of those owners, those absentee owners, bought a unit in the city with the intent of using Airbnb to make money on short-term rentals when they weren't in town. But this past week, New York governor and the legislature, a new law was passed and signed prohibiting short-term rentals in New York City if the owner isn't present. And the owners ignore that, face fines up to $7,500. Suddenly, if you were counting on that income to pay your mortgage on your second home, your apartment in New York City, now you're scrambling. And so circumstances change. You have to recognize Buying a vacation home is a long-term commitment. Your financial circumstances can change, the property and the market change. Perhaps, you know, just as we saw with the gravel pit or another development springs up that you didn't consider. So things are always changing. Now, in terms of buying a vacation home as a financial investment, I would say be very, very wary. Sometimes it works out, but I know more than, I know several couples that took a large chunk of the retirement assets and bought a home a vaca- in, in vacation-like land thinking this is, is going to help support a retirement. Now, this was during the housing bubble. Things fell apart, and they hold this illiquid asset. And so if you're going to own a vacation home, I would focus less on it being a potential investment opportunity. Sometimes it works out. But often it, it doesn't, and it, it's because the housing market changes and other things change. Let me pause here to share some words from this week's sponsors. If you're looking for a central location to get the key information on the markets, the pulse of what's going on, I can't think of a better spot than Yahoo Finance. I was just there, could see very quickly what happened today, how stocks sank to end their worst month of 2024. I could see the actual market declines for the U.S., Europe, Asia, what interest rates did, commodities, currencies. I could see holdings of mine that I recently viewed and key headlines from leading financial publications all in one place, one screen at Yahoo Finance without any annoying pop-ups. Plus, with Yahoo Finance, you can get a consolidated view of all your investments and retirement accounts, all in one place. The key to investing is access to quality information, and you can get that at Yahoo Finance. They've completely redesigned the website. It's comprehensive. 
It's high quality, and it can help you with your investing. So for comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. The Pearl and I recently had dinner with some friends who run a retail business. They have multiple stores and an online shop. And they recently used Shopify to better manage their inventory so they could ship online orders out of all of their stores instead of the warehouse. It helped them get a higher conversion rate on their website because of Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launcher online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers, just like it did for our friends. With the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com david, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com david now to grow your business, no matter what state you're in. Shopify.com slash David. The third thing we've learned living at your vacation property full time is not the same as being on vacation. As I mentioned, we moved here in April, so it's been six months. We've enjoyed making new friends. It's been magical to watch how the light changes on the mountains as the seasons pass. And and that is the beauty of living somewhere for six months, just seeing how it changes slowly. We're able to see how where the sun rises changes throughout the year. We've been able to be we've been much more aware. It's very, very dark here when especially when the moon's not up. And so we're much more aware of this, the, the cycles of the moon because when the moon comes up over the Tetons, suddenly the valley is filled with light. We're aware of star constellations. We've been able to see the space station, and it's as bright, very, very bright as it goes through the sky. We've observed eagles, kestrels. It's it's just been amazing to see how the variety of birds changes. In the beginning of spring or late spring, there were blackbirds everywhere controlling the trees around our farm and chirping at us obsessively whenever we went outside to protect their young. But then by July, they left, and suddenly we had flocks of western bluebirds and mountain bluebirds living in our trees. And they're very, very quiet. And, and you, get, you start to recognize how birds' flight patterns different. We had a, a goshawk land in our yard with one of its kill and, and just right outside our window. We've been amazed at the bo- the moose that have come through our yard. And even recently, I remember when we rented out our, our, our farm a few years ago with Airbnb, the, the person, the family from Israel, was very, very worried about bears. They said, there's no bears anywhere near here. They stay up in the mountains. But the other day, our daughter, Brianna, was coming home from work and about a half mile from our house, she saw a bear cross the road. We've had a black bear around. So we've loved the nature. We have 
a much greater empathy for the risk and trials of those raising crops and cattle in this valley. Live cattle prices are down 18% year-to-date. They're down 39% since late 2014. That has put a lot of stress on farmers that are, are raising, raising cattle and raising hay for cattle. One of our neighbors is a dairy farmer, and he overheard two farmers recently at an auction. And they said, if it wasn't for next year, there wouldn't be any farmers. And, and what he meant by that is, it, it takes a lot of work to be a farm, and, and, you, and it takes, frankly, a lot of luck. And there's always next year hoping that prices will firm, at, that the rain will fall, particularly where we live. This is, this is mostly dry farming, so we're, we're dependent on the rain for the crops. Farmers get by just by, by staying busy, is what they said. I had a conversation with another cattle owner, and he was just so passionate about the, the love he has for his cattle. Love, really, affection for these cattle. He says it's all he has. He runs a shop in town, but those cattle, that hundred herd, that hunter had herd, that's his retirement. And he had a great deal of care and affection for them. Now, owning a farm is a dream many people have. I got an email recently from Fiona. She lives in Montana. She works in the medical field, but she writes, I have purchased some land and am toying with early retirement at the age of 41. I don't really have enough assets to retire, but I have enough to transition into some ridiculous career that fills my heart with joy, resonates with my soul, and makes my father think I've lost my mind, such as flower farming. When friends and family would come to visit, they would sit in our living room and would look out the picture window at the mountains, the Tetons in the background, and they would say, I could sit here for hours and just watch the view. And we did. We sat in for hours and for days. And then it turned into the months. And what we found is the, the serenity that we felt getting away during vacation can be a bit isolating as the days turn to weeks into months. In fact, I got an email from Steve, a listener to the show. This was back in July. He says, I expect you two to one day will find the solitude overwhelming and will go back to the city. My wife, an extrovert, felt lonely in our Georgia woods. Here in San Antonio, we live in a subdivision and love it. Yes, me too. The nearest grocery store from our farm is 13 miles one way. A drive to the post office and gas station is 18 miles round trip. We can go an entire day and not see a single person outside. In short, we're used to living in a town or city where there's more activity, more people, humanity. And then the longer we hear, we realize we don't need all this stuff. What do we need a barn for? We have no cows. We have no horses. I don't need a 30-foot insulated shop. I have a little lawn tractor in it. That's it. And so we tried it, and we find that we're going to try something else. I'm reading a book right now called Design Your Life, How to Build a well-lived, joyful life. It was written by it's been written by a pair of Stanford professors, 
And I forgot to write down their name, but if you go to the show notes at moneyfortherestofus.net, you can find a link to that book. Or if you remember my, in, my free insider's guide, I will have already sent you the link. And you can sign up for that at moneyfortherestofus.net. And so in this book, they, they write, in life design, we reframe a lot. The biggest reframe is that your life can't be perfectly planned, that there isn't just one solution to your life. And that's a good thing. There are many designs for your life, all filled with hope for the kind of creative and unfolding reality that makes life worth living into. Your life is not a thing. It's an experience. The fun comes from designing and enjoying this experience. And one of the things they teach is we need to prototype different lives, try things out. They say, when you have a bias to action, and that's one of their phrases, a bias to action, you're committed to building your way forward. There is no sitting on the beach just thinking what you're going to do. There is only getting in the game. Designers try things. They test things out. They create prototype after prototype, failing often until they they find what works and what solves the problem. That's what LaPrille and I have been doing. We've been prototyping different lifestyles. From 2005 to 2013, we lived in our home that we had built with our family. Since then, including this move, we have moved six different times. And and partly, we wanted to downside, and so we we moved to to another home that ended up having mold, so the the buyer bought it back, and then we moved out to the farm for a couple months. Then our daughter needed to go back to school, and we moved back into a rental for six months until we found a home. We lived there, and then we sold that. Moved out to the farm. We've been here for six months, and now we're going to have a bias toward action and try living in a, a right next to the downtown area of Idaho Falls where you can walk to the city, walk to restaurants, walk to the river walk, etc. So we have a bias toward action. We're prototyping. And as you prototype your lifestyle, my suggestion would be Try it out first. Don't buy the land first. Don't buy the vacation property first. Try renting for six months. See what it's like to live the lifestyle that that you're considering. And then, if it's right, make the financial commitment. Because the reality is your financial circumstances could change. Your your design, just like I did. A year after buying it, we we I quit my job. And recognizing Property ownership, it's illiquid, and the rules can change, like we've seen with Airbnb in New York City. Or the land next to you can start being developed. They could change the zoning laws. And so recognizing there's risk to owning vacation property. But we wanted to actually own it and feel what that was like. And we did. And we realized we don't need such a big house We don't need so much land. Sometimes we just like taking a drive and recognizing we don't own it and just experience it. I recently got an email from John who has listened to every single episode of the show since it started. And he said, we recently moved to a postcard suburbia. Literally, we call it a cup-de-sac or cul-de-sac. And I've long sold myself in the romance that my next move would be my last to a remote farmhouse on a lot of land near some seldom-traveled path that I would live in and maybe fix it up. He says, your farmhouse, the quarry, the truck convoy story, my story of owning commercial real estate, the the triplex, were all 
eye-opening. So instead, here's what he did. He found what he calls a wonderful, never-heard-of micro-cap farmland stock with huge institutional ownership. And he's bought a few shares of this stock. And he says, that stock essentially, as what he puts it, scratched my itch for the gentleman farmer fantasy. So maybe instead of owning a farm or owning vacation property, you own stock in a company that perhaps owns a farm or owns maybe a hotel chain. I thought that was humorous. I appreciate that email, John. So do we have any regrets? No, we've loved owning this place. How have we done financially? We'll break even. We might do a little better than break even, but we have loved having family and friends come out and experience the mountains. We've loved being a part of nature, but we're ready to try something else, and that's what we're going to do. Shorter episode today. We have boxes everywhere. Movers are coming in two days. We got to get working. So you can get show notes at moneyfortherestofus.net. Get information on the membership site, premium membership site, Money for the Rest of Us Hub, where you can get asset allocation and investment guidance, mentorship, moneyfortherestofushub.com. Everything I've shared with you in this episode has been for general education only. I've not considered your specific risk profile. I've not provided investment advice, simply general education on money, invest in the economy. Have a great week.